Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This episode of Bend the Knee is brought to you by our bannermen, Lord Jason of House Ross, Sir Jimmy of House Nuts, Master of the Web, Lady Dawn of House Wright, Sir Chris of House Farber, Lady Tracy of House Fa, Sir Peter of House Whittingham, Sandy the Dragon, Blood of Queen Daenerys and Lady of Jameson, Lord John of House Fry, Lady Juliana of House Stradley, Sir David of House Fraser, Lady Liz of House Hendricks, Sir Matthew of House Perry, Lady Madeline of House Fritzel, Lady Adrian of House Dillard, Lady Ashley of House Gardner, Lady Lismalin of House Morales. This episode of Bend the Knee is protected by Sir Ryan of House Turbush, Lady Sarah the Unraveler. Our current champion is Lady Kira of House Arnold. Our current Master of Coin is Lord Jason of House Ross. Squire to Sir Matt, Lady Betsy of House Hudson. And welcome to Bend the Knee, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast. I am Sir Matt, the Bud Knight. And I am Sir Ezra, the Watchful. Welcome to our Song of Ice and Fire book club. Today, my friends, we have a raven. I would say a raven of all ravens, a, a raven that was prophesied. Yes, as you know, here's the thing. Um, when season eight came out, we received quite literally, like, I don't know, four to five hundred, if not more, emails. And unfortunately, some people sent us some really, really good Ravens, but there was just no way we could keep up. Thankfully, yeah. we never actually deleted our emails. And so some t- from time to time I go through and I start sort of working on our backlog of emails, just like, yeah, all right, get, delete this, delete this, because there's like a thousand emails in there. Um, and most of them are spam. But thankfully, uh, I caught this one. This one caught my eye. And, you know, some of those Ravens we got were show specific. So, all right, whatever. We don't. Unfortunately, we didn't get a chance to read it. I apologize. Yeah. But here's one that's a book one. Um, so this one comes to us from Kendall, uh, the Sorceress of the Rabbit Hole. So we'll get to it here in a second. Uh, but it's it's going to be about the use of the word prophecy in a world of ice and fire. So it's actually really, really cool. But um, as you know, before we dive in, man, you are in Germany again. How is it over there? Uh, you know, a little a little vacation for you. You, you got to start a new job, and you got some stuff. Yeah, going on. man, I am super pumped because, like, I am. First of all, I'm back. Uh, I am in Germany with my girlfriend, and we are just we're hanging out. Um, really, this was kind of not planned. Uh, I I changed we had to change up a few things just because I am starting a new job. Uh, the job that I wanted, the job that was promised. I'm actually really excited about it. I can't say a whole lot about it because I want to get into it first and and start it. But then I'm I'm really excited because it's great for content creation. It's just great for me and my stress and all that kind of stuff. So uh, Sir Ezra is is in a good place and and super happy about that. But I will be back in another week or so. And we've just got we've got Wheel of Time stuff coming out. We're gonna have more House of the Dragon news. We have Star Wars stuff happening. So if you're a supporter of the Matinez media conglomerate all right don't forget we are posting like crazy on apple podcast Mm. on patreon extra content we've got hangouts coming out we were going to schedule a hangout for this saturday which was today or yesterday i guess depending on Mm -hmm. uh, our time zone difference here i guess it's yesterday but we'll we'll do one of those in the future um either next weekend or when i get back i don't know i gotta talk to sir matt we sometimes we do these things on the fly here sometimes we decide stuff on the fly so but Anyway, I think actually we had I think we actually had the date. Um, it's going to be the twenty third. Twenty third. 
There we go. Okay. Saturday, Saturday, Saturday the twenty third, which is perfect because I will be back and I'll be um, I won't be on a weird you know kind of uh, nine to six hours ahead of ahead of you guys. So that'll be good. We'll we'll call the Bannerman. We'll get in. We'll look at some um, some theories. We'll chat. You bring your drinks. Bring the ale, and we will have a good time. Those are fun. I, I love doing those, and we have such good uh, Bannerman. It just it's just nice to hang out with everybody and and chat. So I'm excited to do all that. But before we go any further, we get into anything else here, friends. Attention listeners across the galaxy, all the way from Australia to Houston, do we have a pew problem? If so, our friends at Manscaped have cleared you for takeoff with their fourth generation and brand new lawnmower, lawnmower 4.0. Kick your pubes into the next planet with the performance fat package 4.0. The orbits in your pants will feel like you're in zero gravity when you use the best tools for the job from the leaders in male grooming. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. That's a mouthful if I could just get it out, right? Wow. Wow. <laughs> nothing about nothing nothing like talking about a mouthful when you're talking about Manscaped. Uh, Manscaped. <laughs> okay. Wow. All right. Okay then. Yeah. But yeah, um, the, the yeah. shears that were promised. Well, I was okay. gonna, yeah, I was gonna say something like that, like that were prophesied. It fits with our raven, right? These, these were prophesied. Manscaped's been prophesying about these these shears that can that can do things that no other shears can do, and now they're finally here, and they they're calling it the 4.0 performance package. I read one earlier that I this was over on Heroes that I thought was really good. So it, it also includes the weed whacker. Which is like having a little astronaut to chop your worst weeds up top in your nose and ears, which is cool. So I think some you know, people think it's just only like the weed whacker. That's the that's the lawnmower 4.0, but it also includes the weed whacker and it has other things in it. It's a full package. Get it, the friends? Trimmers. It's a package. All right, it's got the whole thing. You know, so don't yeah the hedge trimmers. Uh, ball deodorant which by the way i posted on my social media i'm a user of it Whoa. it's amazing seriously i do actually use this product and i think it's it, i think it's awesome so i can speak from experience friends you can abort your hairy balls and buzz Lightyear that woody with manscape so friends get 20 percent off plus free shipping with the code fansided20 at manscape.com that's 20 percent off plus free shipping with the code fansided20 at manscape.com for clean trinity and beyond your space balls well thank you okay uh, all right, Ez, we're just going to dive right in here, okay? The use of prophecy in a world of ice and fire. Uh, this is brought to us by Kendall, Sorceress of the Rabbit Hole. Uh, part one, definition of prophecy and how it compares to green sight. Webster defines prophecy as a prediction of something to come. This is most often shared by a prophet, defined as a person that predicts the future. Pretty straightforward, right? I think we all know these words and their meanings, but when it comes to a world of ice and fire, I am more drawn to the biblical definition of these words. The Bible's definition of prophecy is a reflection of communications from God to humans through prophets. Their meaning of prophet being an individual who is regarded as being in contact with a divine being and speaks on the entity's behalf. Wow. Those definitions pack way more of a punch, in my opinion. In regards to this raven, I will actually be using both definitions and providing examples of each. With that being said, I will not be delving into things um, with a character like Bran, who has powers of a warg and a greenseer. These are totally different divisions of the supernatural. The way that I understand it, it is, is that a green seer sees visions that are a bit more literal, that can cover past, present, and future events. And while some are more complicated than others, I am still under the assumption that it is much easier to interpret a green dream or a vision, even though there was a lot of guesswork when it comes to the three-eyed raven slash crow. I was still fairly straightforward. Brand can literally see events as they happen. A prophecy is, by definition, a communication of a future event. That communication can come in many different ways, which I will be exploring in this theory. Even things like Danny's visions from the House of the Undying are not what I consider in the realm of a prophecy. I will be focusing more on specific examples of both prophecy and prophets in the A Song of Ice and Fire universe. 
and how these things have affected characters and their decision-making process throughout the story. So just to sort of recap here before we move into part two, sort of, I guess, a difference between, yes, a green dream, a vision, and a prophecy. Two sort of, you know, sort of mm-hmm. different different events here. So it's how she's sort of separating them. So examples of prophetic messages. One of my favorite theories of prophetic messages comes from my beloved Patchface. I've already sent a detailed overview of him with some examples of his possible prophetic messages, so I'll move on to another fascinating prophet, Maggie the Frog. Now, I should say, I we may have read those at some point in the past. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not, uh, sure. I'm not t- yeah. Patchface one. Uh, we did read some of her comments on Patchface, and she was in a raven's nest with us, too. So, yes. Okay. Yeah, but this okay. is new, yeah. Not new, right. but... Well, we, it... Oh, right. We, 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 didn't, we didn't get to it. Yeah. So, which now I'm, like, really... I, I'm sorry. Uh, I apologize. <laughs> yeah, this, yeah. This, this, this is really good. good. This is really good. <laughs> this yeah. is really good, yeah. Uh, so, let's just focus on her most uh, popular reading, that of the incomparable Cersei Lannister. I'm going to start with the parts of the reading that have already proven to be true. Most of us... Um, most of us know that uh, them like the back of our hand, but I feel it's important to look at the way she speaks. It is easy to interpret prophecies after they uh, have already come true, but I imagine where Cersei first heard the witch, witch's words, uh, she had no idea what it could mean. I believe by looking back at the text and first understanding her use of prophetic language, she can reasonably, be, reasonably begin to make theories on the parts of the prophecy that have yet to come to fruition. Number one, the king will have 20 children. You will have three gold, uh, gold, their crowns, gold, their shrouds. This is uh, the most basic bit of Maggie's reading with Cersei. We have seen it both in the show and the book that Cersei has three children that all die. Easy enough. Well, if they are going to really look into the art of understanding prophetic language, we need to look a little further. The most obvious meaning of gold, their crowns, most likely refers to the color of their hair. They are all true Lannisters with golden hair like their parents. The hair color is actually what triggers both John Aaron and Ned Stark to question the children's paternity. However, when it comes to the book, both Joffrey and Tommen wear a literal golden crown, and the Dornish are attempting to crown Marcella so she may end up with a crown as well. Now, I really believe that this is just referring to the hair color, but do you see how easily a a seemingly simple line can be interpreted in two totally different ways? Yes. Well, I'm going to stop there. I'm going to stop there just just really quick. That is actually something that is both, uh, one, incredibly interesting to point out uh, Uh in just how, in how, one, George's writing is like, you know, so incredibly ridiculous that we have to spend literally you know 300 episodes of podcast trying to break it down right um because he could mean like 20 25 different things yeah and two also that yes marcella is still alive in the uh in the books she's not been killed and it actually seems maybe less likely that she will be yeah yeah exactly and the the whole bit here um that's interesting is that we're meant to focus in on the obvious but what's the thing that's subtle what's the subtle piece and it's the crown it's the actual that they that they would be crowned with gold or that they would wear a crown to represent royalty or or a king or a queen and it's the same thing with the ghost of high heart that you've said many times the saddest sound was the little bells and again to us, the final episode is the bells where Danny is singing. Uh, the bells are ringing, and th- we didn't. We don't connect the ghost of High Heart with that, but yet maybe George, in some subtle way, is going to set that up for right. later. So maybe with the with Maggie, right, the frog, mm-hmm. he is setting this this up to to show us not just that there's something with their identity that's that's uh, trippy, and them they're not Baratheons, but there's a connection to them gaining crowns or being crowned, and then also maybe being killed, not because of their golden crown, their golden hair, but because of the crown on their head. You know, I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, also, with this part of the prophecy, we hit a bit of a snag when it comes to the show. Cersei tells Catelyn of her first child with Robert. He is described as a black-haired beauty that died in infancy. In the book, she also became pregnant with Robert's child, but she and Jamie took care of it. This makes me question the part about three children. Does the prophecy mean that she would have three children that grew past infancy? As a mother, 
that suffered a miscarriage with my own first child, I still count that pregnancy as a child of mine. So again, I'd like to point out the confusion with prophetic language. It can be interpreted so differently. Going back to the beginning of this quote, it states that the king will have 20 children. With the, both the show and the book, we can see very clearly what that meant. Uh, that is actually something else. Um, good point here. Um, first of all, God, sorry. Uh, my God, that's miscarriage is like a terrible thing to happen to any person. Mm-hmm. Um, but secondly, uh, yeah, that is something uh, to consider, I think, in a lot of other theories about miscarriages and stuff like that because of how many children they've had and things like that. Um, is something I think we actually should begin to take into consideration more often. Because does that count? Is George counting that? Does it, you know, yeah. yes or no? And it seems like he is because he's, it seems like he is because he, why even put that in? You know, why add that extra layer with Jamie and Cersei or with Robert Baratheon and him being right. in whore, you know, houses and pleasure houses and stuff? I mean, yeah, like that's, there's a reason he adds that to throw in. A bit of confusion or whatever yeah right so i would actually say on that one i would say that i would say in the show they're just using the theory they're just using the thing even though she had a kid even though she had a kid with robert just because of the show now that you know we're reading this this is a pre-season eight theory mm-hmm. we're in post-season eight world uh and now that we're in post-season eight i think it's more obvious that they just pulled it directly from the books because that's what it says yeah Exactly. And they kind of forgot that. Yeah. He <laughs> <laughs> also added another kid. Yeah. Um, but yes, in the books, I do think, I do think that is, uh, it, it is actually, it is important. Um, the next quote was actually dragged. So continuing on. The next quote was actually dragged, um, was actually directed towards the young girl that accompanied Cersei to see Maggie with the frog, Malera. For my purposes of analyzing her prophetic language, I feel I needed it included. She says, when asked if um, Malera will marry Jamie Lannister, she says, not Jamie nor any other man. Worms will have your maidenhead. Your death is here tonight, little one. You smell her breath. She is very close. This quote fascinates me. The young girl dies after falling into a well. Immediately after this encounter, it is believed that Cersei was the one to push her. In many cultures, death is portrayed as a person or a physical entity of some kind. Look at all the different portrayals of death in this universe alone. With that being said, I think for once, Maggie the Frog was being very literal in her language. Your death is here tonight, little one. Can you smell her? She's very close. I believe she was literally referring to Cersei. I don't think she meant some portrayal of death was near. She was saying that her killer was nearby, right beside her, in fact. I bet Cersei did not appreciate the fact that her friend was asking about marrying her brother, Jamie. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's so, yeah, it's just a more literal take on it. Um, and, and connecting her with death and the murder that's, uh, yeah, taking place. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, continuing on here, there's still parts of Maggie the Frog's prophecy that will have yet to come true. Let's take a look. Now that there are, we are more familiar with the witch's prophetic language. Um, number one, you will be a queen for a time. Then comes another, younger and more beautiful, to cast you down and take all that you hold dear. I always thought this referred to Marjorie. It has been said uh, that one of Cersei's only redeemable qualities uh, is the fact that she loves her children so much. When you hear this quote, you think of Marjorie's, um, you think of Marjorie, younger and more beautiful, coming in and taking over both of Cersei's sons. However, my recent fascination with Prophecy has caused me to reconsider. I actually believe this refers to Danny. Uh, it's more than the younger and it's it's more than the younger and more beautiful part. Daenerys, after all, would be considered by most the most uh, to be more attractive than Marjorie. It is the second part of the prophecy that has changed my mind. We have to ask ourselves, what is it that Cersei holds dear? Sure, she loves her children, but her true love is power. That is what she holds most dear. Cersei grew up wanting to be a man, not just to hunt and ride and be a warrior. No, it was to be taken more seriously and gain that power and respect that she envied in Jaime. Power was the key to it all. 
When Ned Stark gave her the option to take her children and flee, once he figured out their parentage, she took a huge risk by crowning Joffrey and publicly denying the claims against her. Things worked out in her favor, but still, it was a risk. It could have easily turned out differently, ending in her children's capture or possible deaths. If the children were her true priority, she wouldn't have risked their lives. She would have taken Ned's advice and fled. However, with power being what she actually lusted after, she took that risk. With that being said, I feel Daenerys will be the one to actually cast her down and take all that she holds dear. Now that brings us to the most uh, famously scrutinized quote from Maggie the Frog. When, you, when your tears have drowned you, the Valonqar shall wrap his hands around your pale white throat and choke the life from you. There is no need for me to get into this. This bit has been broken down, obsessed over, and theorized on for years. I have a feeling that the show will come back to this. It might be a thing where you see the continuation of that initial flashback of young Cersei speaking to which uh, to the witch where this piece of the prophecy will be included. We all have our predictions about who or what the Valonqar could be. It is not my objective today to get into that. I am just here to remind you that with a prophecy, things cannot be taken so literally. Yeah, good point. And it's crazy. I like these things are not answered. They're not answered in the books, and that's why this is again a pre-show theory. It's why it's not answered in the in, in, in the show because they don't have an answer or whatever answer they were given I, uh, doesn't fit in in the framework of what they were going to do because it's too much. There's too much to weave into this, and so this is why we need the books. We need that. This will be there. Will something will come of this in in the book? She's thought about it too often, too much, and it involves her children power it's it's directly tied to the game of thrones so yeah okay uh here we go on to part three how do prophecies change a character's actions now this is where things get interesting when you think of a character's actions being affected by prophecy the person that comes to mind for me is melisandra think back on my my biblical definitions of prophecy and prophet she is believed to be a human that can speak uh, with the words of a god, specifically the Lord of Light slash R'hllor. It seems that her main form of receiving messages is through visions in flames. I gotta say, our girl seems to not be um, the best at interpreting these visions. <laughs> Just take a look at poor Stannis. Need I say more? I'm not so sure how the books will continue to handle her, but in the show, it seems that her main objective was to bring ice and fire together in order to take steps towards the prince that was or princess that was promised. Again, she is someone that has um, that we've covered plenty in the podcast. So I'll be moving on to someone that we know a little less about, but was heavily influenced by prophecy, Rhaegar Targaryen. I had a deeper look into him lately and I feel that I have t a totally new perspective on him and his actions. Our story um, with Rhaegar starts bef be way before the fabled tourney at Harrenhal. It starts when the crown prince of the Seven Kingdoms was just a boy. He was considered very bookish. He spent tons of time reading, but one day, seemingly out of nowhere, he walks out of the practice yard and tells the Master at Arms, Sir Willem Derry, that he will require armor and a sword. It seems I must become a warrior. It was, literal, uh, it was literally as simple as that. What did Rhaegar read that set him on the course to end up on the wrong side of Robert Baratheon's Warhammer? How does a seemingly quiet, intellectual young man suddenly decide to put down his book and begin training as a warrior? We may never know the answer, um, but what we do know is that he went down his own rabbit holes studying prophecy, and he didn't do this alone. He had some help. Rhaegar's actions were dramatically influenced by the fact that he initially believed that he was the prince that was promised. Before he was born, a woods witch went to his grandfather, Aegon V, and said that the prince that was promised would come from the line of Ares and Rhaella Targaryen, his children. Upon hearing this, he forced his children to marry, and then came Rhaegar. Queen Rhaella suffered at least eight miscarriages after Rhaegar was born, so he was 17 before Viserys come along. During those 17 years, he assumed that he had to be the prince from the prophet, because he was the only child that they had for so long. You know what? Uh, you know how I said that he had help. 
Well, everyone's favorite Maester happened to be corresponding with Rhaegar. Maester Aemon indicated that Rhaegar could fit the requirements of the prophecy, being born of salt and smoke. Rhaegar was born during the tragedy of Summerhall. He was born amidst, amongst the salt from the fires and that the salt of the tears from those involved. At this point, the Targaryen prince's actions all, result, all revolved around his, the prophecy and believing that he was the prince that was promised. He traveled to Summerhall very often throughout his life, so much uh, so that Barris and Selmy called Summerhall Rhaegar's most favorite place in the world. A lot of times, Rhaegar would enter the ruins of a castle, leaving his traveling companions behind. It was believed that he was visiting the ghost of Highheart. Who is this mysterious ghost? Well, remember the woods witch that came to Aegon V? It's said that she gorged on grief herself after the tragedy of Summerhall and never left. I think Rhaegar was meeting with her and delving further and further into a prophecy that changed his life. I bet it was hard to remember all of the details that the witch told him, especially since she spoke in that weird prophetic language that I've been talking about. You know what might make it easier to remembering rhyming riddles from prophecy? Well, how about a song? Our man Rhaegar was known throughout the country as being an incredible singer. He often left Summerhall with a new heartbreaking song to play on his harp. What if these songs were actually words from the prophet, the ghost? Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely their fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Of high heart. As time goes on, Rhaegar begins to change his mind about himself being the prince that was promised, and then sets his eyes on his second child, Aegon. I believe when he said there must be three heads of the dragon, he was trying to recreate an Aegon the Conqueror and his sister wives. I believe if Jon had been a girl, he would have been named Visenya. I digress. One of the main reasons for thinking uh, that his son was the prince from the prophecy was because when baby Aegon was conceived, Rhaegar said that a red comet was shooting through the sky, and he took this as a sign. As you see, Rhaegar tends to change his mind a lot. It is understandable, but, I, if, uh, but it turned out to be dangerous. His actions had serious consequences. His next act was, to, uh, was the most influential yet. His relationship with Lyanna Stark. I'm not going to get into the hows and whys of their relationship, since we've covered that. Um, but what I would like to bring up is uh, someone that doesn't seem to have a voice in this chain of events. A very important player that I believe encouraged Rhaegar on his quest, and I'm referring to Elia Martell. She was portrayed as weak and feeble, and a woman that was left behind while Rhaegar set her aside, and had this epic romance with Lyanna Stark. I do not think that is actually what happened. Elia was an intelligent woman, and while her marriage was a political one, she and Rhaegar had respect for each other. They may, had, may, may have not been in love, but there was a companionship there. I believe that she supported her husband in his quest, and after a a baby Aegon was born, uh, she told uh, that she could not. She was told that she could not have another child, and I, uh, it would be way too dangerous. However, there had to be three heads of the dragon. Let's take a uh, minute to talk about the Dornish and Targaryen opinions of relationships. These two families were far more open-minded than some of the more traditional families throughout the Seven Kingdoms. Look at the Conqueror. He had two wives. Aegon IV had nine official mistresses. <laughs> the children from these relationships uh, were not treated as bastards, but as equals. Some of these bastards are Blood Raven, who was the Hand of the King, Shara Seastar, and Daemon Blackfire. The Dornish are even more relaxed about their personal relationships. The salty Dornish, like the Martells, believe that it was natural to be monogamous. So you have Rhaegar and Elia from these two families with strong opinions on relationships. And I think it, it wasn't a situation of a husband taking off and leaving his poor, weak wife behind. I think it was a decision made by two 
partners that respected each other and wanted to do what they believed was bet uh was in line with the prophecy. We won't ever know what has happened with Rhaegar and Lyanna lived, but I think Elia would have been pleased with the prospect of her husband's third child. George has called Rhaegar and Elia's marriage complex, and I don't think that was a bad thing. In conclusion, prophecies are a huge part of A Song of Ice and Fire. I believe we have to understand the nature and language of that prophet uh, that speaks to them. It is fascinating to see how our character's action have been affected by these predictions so as yeah we're gonna <clears throat> we'll take a brief break for our our, our mid mid roll placement here and then we will come back hard on this whole thing and we are back as so again going over this enormous sort of theory here um sent to us by lady kendall um Thank you so much. She actually sent this to us April 5th, 2019. So right, just like right before season eight um, started. And uh, we, we must have missed it. But it's amazing the breakdown that you've done here. Um, so I, ultimately breaking down sort of one, I think we'll have to dive into this a few different ways. One, I really appreciate the way that she breaks down prophecies versus sort of visions, right? Green dreams versus prophecies. Um, prophecies are less sort of direct, mm -hmm. I guess I would say. Um, whereas like, you know, a prophecy means that it's a prophet that's telling it. Not, we're like, we're never in the eyes of a prophet. It's always being told to us through someone. And I think that in itself is very interesting. Then we sort of break down two sort of prophecies here. Um, one being Rhaegar and Lyanna and the three heads of the dragon. And then the other being sort of Maggie the frogs with Cersei. Yeah. So, Matt, let me just say this. Okay. This... This is this is this is totally George. She she she's on it, right? Look how many times Rhaegar changes his mind, right? It he's the prince that was promised. No, it's my son. Uh, there must be another. Then Aemon, who's corresponding with him, says, "We were all wrong. It's the princess that was promised." Right? I mean, and so they're trying to interpret something and make and actually he's trying to artificially craft. Like if if it's prophesied, Matt, it will come to be man it, that's the, that's the thing it's meant, it's meant to just happen and in unexpected ways but he's trying to actually ordain it he's trying to say that i'm going to have this child i'm going to name her rainies then i'm going to have aegon then i'm going to have vicinia and it's all going to match up they're the three heads of the dragon and in the house of the undying he says to danny or he has that vision where we talk about there there must be three heads to the dragon there must be one more and Elliot can't have a child, so now I have to go get... Look how much hoop jumping you have to do to get that third child and to make it work, all to find out, all for nothing, that really it wasn't a prince, it was a princess, as Eamon says on the ship ride to Sam. So when you just study Rhaegar, and you look at a man who's obsessed with prophecy, obsessed with uh, Summerhall, it, he's misguided, and he's... he's He's trying to be the fulfillment or to fulfill that prophecy. And that's totally what Kendall is on to here. And it's exactly what George, I think, maybe even, even sees in individuals who are religious or who are trying to look at events and say, oh, that matches some ancient prophecy. And you try to make things fit that really don't fit. Or even if they do, it's we don't understand prophecy. And it, it, it can be, you can obsess over it. And it's, you know what I mean? It, it, yeah, so it's it's great. It's a great. It's it's well written, and it's it's. I think it's important to focus on on Rhaegar not interpreting things right. Melisandre having visions, right. totally That's misinterpreting things. Yeah, go for it. Right. I mean, Melis Melis. Yeah, exactly. Look at Melisandre, who I think definitely we would view as a prophet speaking for the Lord of Light. Um, the flames. It's like the flames are always changing always changing she's seeing different things in the flames right is it stannis are you sure or are you just trying to make it to be stannis is it Jon snow right uh 
if why if the, if why didn't the prophet tell you right like why didn't why didn't the prophet tell you I guess that um uh, I don't know uh that we were going to lose in the battle of the blackwater yeah yeah exactly exactly um so l- let me point out so just just for reference here cuz Kendall did send us that that other theory and it's v- it's very short but this is the patch face theory and so when you okay, talk yeah. about prophets and things like that so just for reference cuz it was a long time ago when we did the those episodes in, in Raven's Nest but like the patch face theory is so as she says here um I I I was I, I dove into another rabbit hole last night and it kept me up way too late they don't call me the sorceress of rabbit hole for nothing which is awesome this is this is great I God, I love our podcast and I love our community because we have so many cool titles and names of people who just send us theories and ravens. It's awesome. Um, anyways, researching some of this stuff, at this point in time, she had moved ahead into the her third read of A Clash of Kings. And in the prologue, we are following along with Maester Cresson. For show watchers, he is the maester that attempts to poison Melisandre and ends up dying instead. Anyway, this is where we meet Patchface. Uh, Princess Shireen's fool. He seems to be just a random side character until you look further. What I love about uh, Gurm's writing is that every word he writes means something. Nothing is there for no reason. In the prologue, Maester Cresson reflects on Patchface's arrival to Westeros. Lord Stephen Baratheon, King Robert's father, found him in Valentis during a mission for King Aerys the Mad King. He sent a message to Maester Cresson stating, or Crescent, that we have found the most splendid fool, only a boy yet nimble as a monkey, with, uh, and he's witty with a dozen uh, courtiers. He, he juggles, he, 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 and he riddles, and he does magic. He does magic, Matt? What? He can sing mm-hmm. prettily in four tongues. Um, we, have brought his, uh, we have bought his freedom and hope to bring him home with us. Robert will be delighted with him, and perhaps in time, he will teach Stannis how to laugh. Unfortunately, during the trip back, Lord Stefan's ship meets a terrible storm. He sinks. We know this. He kill everyone is, is killed on board, including both he and his wife. This was within uh, sight of Storm's End, and Robert and Stannis watch as it happens. I digress. Three days later, Patchface watches up, he washes up on the shore. There he is, right? However, he spit up water. He lives. Uh, what's dead may never die, the whole thing, right? People have no idea where he was for the two days before washing up. He lost half of his wits and all of his memories, so he wasn't exactly the sharp kid that Lord Stefan uh, has met. This brings me to the theory. Patchface becomes a companion of Princess Shireen years later. He constantly is singing little tunes and speaking about under the sea. No big deal, right? Wrong. When you actually look into what he's saying, many believe he is speaking prophecies. And again, uh, she points out a few here. Number one, the shadows come to dance, my lord. Dance, my lord. Dance, my lord. The shadows come to stay, my lord. Stay, my lord. Stay, my lord. You might, um, this might have something to do with the dark shadow that killed Renly or anything to do with Melisandre. Number two, under the sea, smoke rises and bubbles and flames. It burns green, blue, and black. I know, I know. Oh, oh, oh. Possibly predicting the wildfire used during the Battle of the Blackwater. Uh, this is a jingle that's that's uh, sung to Davos. And it, who it's sung to matters, right? That's what she's pointing out. Number three, fool's blood, king's blood, uh, blood on the maiden's thigh, but chains for the guest and chains for the bridegroom, I, I, I. Um, can you say red freaking wedding? So these are just a handful of, of examples that I found. Melisandre also comments that creature is dangerous, and apparently she saw him in her flames, right, with his, with blood on his mouth. Uh, I would love to hear your thoughts and, and, and more about this. So this was her kind of talking about some of those prophets and again the the thing is is that you have some people who just say no i was prophesied too right uh i i'm cersei and and maggie told me a prophecy a woods witch or a woods witch came to aegon and tells him that the prince's promise is going to come of his line but you have other people who are in the story like patchface who no one's calling him a prophet Right. No one's actually saying that's not actually been said anywhere. Right. Where, where, they think so, he's just they think he's some crazy person. Right. That's fan accepted. That's just sort of fandom accepted that he is a prophet and prophesying. So we kind of say Melisandre can see visions and that's told to us by her and by other people around her. What she sees in her flames is, is important. We hyper focus on that. And really, it's the subtlety in a character like Patchface that we should be paying more attention to, because those probably have more uh, to tell us than the misinterpretations that Melisandre gives to us because he's seeing fool's blood, king's blood. Is it all, I mean, he's talking about blood there, right? And we, we talk about what Melisandre is always looking for, king's blood. 
uh, is it any is it any better, Matt, than fool's blood, or is it all just blood sacrifice? Is it all just sort of what in uh, a Game of Thrones when you look at what Danny is is working with blood magic, trying to keep Khal Drogo alive? It's just blood magic and it's life energy. Yeah, and I think I think I think you're right, and I think the thing you need to remember, remember about that is sort of the blood magic and all this stuff is. In A Song of Ice and Fire, a lot of people, I think, tend to achieve the same results through different methods. Um, And then, you know, you have your... Then you sort of have spins on it, right, on, like, where you're at regionally and what your social influences are and all of these, you know, sort of different things. I mean, we see that in our world with a lot of different things. I mean, take a lot... You know, look at, like, food. Let's just... Food, for example... Um, you know, the way it's, it's like, you know, it's like barbecue. Let's just, it just has an example, right? It's like, well, you have like Texas barbecue and it's done different in Oklahoma and it's done different in the South and all this stuff. It's still really all this. You start with all the same stuff, but then you sort of sprinkle this on it and this on it and this on it and sort yeah. of changes the final, the final product. But in a song of ice and fire, you achieve a lot of the same sort of results, right? Like glamoring and the faceless man you kind of achieve a similar a similar result sure right mm-hmm. you you put on a different sort of guise yes and now you're portraying to be somebody sort of different it's just done in two kind of different ways right right yeah and so i understand that's why as soon as we look at where and george has said to try to like in panel discussions he's He's uh, basically hinted at, look for common threads in the magic and, and look for commonalities and, and things like that and, and try, try to understand it. And it's like sacrifice and blood sacrifice. Look at what the others are doing up there with the babies and, and right. Craster's Keep and all that kind of stuff. There's sacrifice going on there, life essence, right? And there's something in that. There's power in... in, in there's power in the blood. I almost said there's there, power. There, there is. There, amen. amen. There is it's power Sunday, in the blood. <laughs> it is. It is Sunday morning. As a, as Somebody a sing the old gospel song. Amen. Uh, golly, Matt. Matt sometimes says it like you know. We'll be talking sometimes, and he's talking about like all oh, the sicknesses and the plagues of this earth. He's like, right. but as. Sometimes you got to be washed in the blood almighty. Amen. Right. <laughs> Sorry, guys. We That's our Midwest. Uh, that's that's know, our that small is, town that's upbringing. Our, that's, our, that's our backwater Midwest, you know, biblical, <laughs> biblical upbringing. Every, uh, every once in a while, you know, just it, it slips out. Comes out. Yeah. It's just it's just bred into us. You know, Good Lord. Amen. <laughs> oh, wow. Anyway, so um, which is also why I'm more into the old gods than I am the seven. Okay, down with the seven right. and this whole hierarchy, you know, ten, you know, these, you got to do this and that, and you can't have two wives and blah, 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 and all this kind of stuff. The Targaryens just did what they wanted to do, okay? Look at that, well, by the have, way, too. When you have like, dragons, it's a lot easier to do what you want to do. But look how hypocritical the, like, that. I think it's what George is kind of pointing out with the egg on the conqueror thing, right? Hey, look, we're we're against that. Like, there's no way Targaryens can be marrying their siblings, and you have two wives. That's not gonna. That's a double whammy, right? Against the seven, against the faith, and they just say, you know what? <sighs> Actually, we're we're fine with it, and we're gonna be fine with it. And then the longer that the reign of the Targaryens go, we're still cool with it. You know, it just it, that's George kind of showing us more about like that's how some of these systems work, and some of these, you know. Like he is his commentary on the church or, or or whatever. It's yeah. He's he's not a fan, my friend. All right. He's he's he's. he's I don't know that he's washing the blood. Not <laughs> <laughs> George. Hey, I'm just kidding. He, he uh, yeah he yeah he's definitely he's definitely not a fan. But yeah, um, I mean again, yeah this this is a this is a, a fantastic just sort of a fantastic Raven um, that we received yeah. because. Break. It is important, I think, also to remember who is telling us the story, how valid it is, who's receiving the information. Um, go back here. Can we talk just a little bit about the Maggie the Frog? Yeah. One. Yeah. So yeah. So just sort of going, just sort of going back to this because. You know, Maggie the Frog, wow. I mean, 
for starters, I definitely think she's onto something here with the whole idea of Cersei is more and act, does actually care more about uh, power than her kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I actually think we kind of see this a little bit in, um, in uh, in in the, in the show. I think it's like season season six leading into season seven, or no, it's it might be season seven. Yeah. It's after Tom and dead, right? And then she yeah. kind of goes like she wears like the new new outfit or whatever. So it must be season seven, before like Jamie kind of leaves, right? Mm-hmm. Like Cersei seems unhinged, definitely unhinged. Yeah, she seems like she's like I'm just gonna kill. But she threatens to kill Jamie. So clearly her family isn't actually really as important as well. She maybe sort of makes it. Yeah, as as Kendall said, they, it's it's power, and that was a really good uh, observation. That like you you could say, oh well, it was it was the preservation of her power is what's going to keep her kids safe, that type of thing. But right. and ultimately, she does do that, and so you can kind of say, well, maybe she that was what she was going for, but maybe not. Maybe it was just to keep her family in power. And you look back at Tywin and wanting to live up to his expectations, and th- her whole marriage is to marry into power. It's not really necessarily marrying for love per se so it's even though Rhaegar is considered dashing and all that kind of stuff and then you know she's passed over and then she goes with uh robert baratheon who back in the day looks awesome but at the same time it's political it's it's all it's, it's all for power gain so yeah it's a good dis- distinction yeah interesting interesting well hey great excellent raven uh, sorry, we got to it two years right? later. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Actually, it's more than two years, right? Because this was sent April of 2019. Wow. But um, this ha- this happens actually. By the way, uh, you know, there's literally. I'm I'm just going through it. I'm just like, wow. I, I see a ton of of this and this and this and this. Um. Yeah, definitely, just more and more and more sort of ravens uh that we just never we never got to because we received literally so many hundreds i mean we actually deleted hundreds as well too that we did read so right i mean yeah um which is awesome it's not it's a good problem to have but it's just like remind us if you sent something that you think is still yeah exactly if if even if you've sent us one and we just never got to it um feel free to one send it again or copy paste uh, because Exactly, because a lot of these are really, really good, and they're still all interesting stuff. Even though it was something that was like season eight related, like a theory, like, hey, do you think this could happen? Um, I mean, a lot of that stuff could still happen in the books. So, oh, yeah, it is. It's definitely, definitely still all interesting and relevant. Well, like, I mean, I remember uh, Lord Adam Parker, the Crypts of Winterfell. We, we Right before the show hit, we were talking about the Crypts of Winterfell like crazy. And there, there's a good reason we are, because the crypts are brought up so much. The the heat source underneath Winterfell and the mystery of the crypts and, and iron and, and the metal associated with it. There's something there. There's a reason why George has put all that detail in, in into the crypts. You have people hiding in crypts. You have Bale the Bard hiding there. You have possibly someone else has been hiding. Bran and Rickon were hiding there, and, and Rickon's having dreams down there. But, like, the crypts are never mentioned in the show. There's there's really no, you know, you see them, like, just in the beginning to kind of show us Lyanna and, and stuff like that. But that could be a huge thing in the book. So, yeah, always remember, just because it wasn't in Season 8 or it didn't seem significant there, it's Winds of Winter. We're talking Winds of Winter theories and, and stuff to move us to the conclusion of the series. And look, go back, look at the prophecies again, and see if there's not something else, uh, like like a play on words with the word crown, for example, like a golden crown, an actual golden crown, or, or the, the crown of your head being colored gold by your hair. I mean, stuff like that. That's that's twofold. That where you can see the prophecy extending beyond just the initial book that it was told to us in into other books. That's what we're looking for, and that's the kind of cool deeper connections we're trying to find in, in a reread and. Some of it is just there's so much yeah. out there. We haven't got to all the Reddit theories and all the Ravens. And it's, oh, yeah. You know. I mean, I'm, I'm just sort of looking through our email even again right here. I've got one, like another one here that um, it was sort of a, it's sort of season eight related. But it's even some of the stuff, it's still totally relevant to um, to, to just totally relevant to Winds of Winter. Yeah. So just in sort of looking at some of these other ones that we've never even opened just because we received literally so many. Um, and when House of the Dragon starts, who knows? I mean, my gosh, it's gonna be it's gonna be like oh, it's just I, yeah. the end. So. 
Well, which is why so we say. Get, so if you if you send if you send us one, just send it again. We 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 definitely do our best to get to get through them. And we, well, and Matt, sir, sir, Matt, we are we are bringing back at some point when we get into closer to House of the Dragon. We're going to be doubling up again. Follow Friday, be, yeah, be, follow up Friday will yeah. be there. Which which is where we're going to dish out like we we used to do three to four Ravens a show, if not five, depending on their length, and we would talk about them. And that was a lot of fun. I think people liked that. You could hear your Raven red on the show, and that will be coming back hardcore as we go into House of the Dragon. So. Please do that, and I mean, even starting in, in 2022, I think we'll, we'll be picking it up four months prior to the release of that. It's good for us, and it's good to kind of move us around the series, and Matt and I sometimes need to shake things up. You know, we, 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 we're in a clash of kings. We kind of can't wait to get the next book. We're almost there. We're almost done with the, the reread of this book, and we can, we can move on because, yeah, sometimes we just like to, we need to move around the series, look into theories and, and stuff like that. So anyway, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, and there's no limit to the amount of podcasts we can create. We, we you know, we do one a week, but we can always, oh, we can always do, we'll always do way more. Oh so. yeah, and, yeah. So <laughs> yeah, we, and I think we, I think early in, in season eight, we were just oh, we we had never seen anything like that before. So now I think we we've thought a lot about like our format and how we want to change it to get more of those this out to you guys, whether it's Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or whatever. It'd be be great. So um, friends, also don't forget uh, we've got the Bannerman Hangout, and that was uh, October. I think you said that was a uh, twenty second or twenty third. Twenty third. Twenty third. Saturday okay. the twenty third. Okay, and look for details on our Facebook group. We post the time in there. Um, and we send you guys the link over on Patreon. We post about that in the Facebook group, all that good stuff. So be sure you are, you know, you've liked the Facebook page and followed Sir Matt and I on social media. You can follow Sir Matt at Womp. Uh, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. You can follow me. Whoa. At, whoa, whoa. <laughs> whoa. You can follow me at Womprat underscore two and you can follow uh, Sir Matt at Super Gains Bros and, uh, and go from there. So next week we are going to be uh, picking back up. We will be in chapter 66, Theon. I think it's Theon 6. I think that's where we, we left off. So we'll get back into that. So if you like our podcast, don't forget to subscribe, like us, write that review, leave a comment, or send us those ravens at btkcast at gmail.com. We will see you next time. And remember that winter is coming. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.